Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Out of the gates and ready to go. OutKick 360 underway. Tuesday edition from 6th and Peabody. Nashville's our broadcast location with Yeehaw Beard, Old Smoky Moonshine. The entire crew is here. PK is back from Buffalo, it's the back, early a.m. flight. Luckily, Ooh. he woke up in time to deplane <laughs> at B&A. Uh, jam-packed show. John McClain joins us in an hour and full reaction to last night's doubleheader with Monday Night Football. The Titans and Bills ends in a blowout where Mike Vrabel and his team taps out with a minute to go in the third quarter. Waving the white flag. Meanwhile, the Vikings took a bit longer, but the Eagles took care of them as well. So Philadelphia is now 2-0. Minnesota 1-1. The Bills look like the class of the NFL. And the Titans are 0-2. Gentlemen, good afternoon. You guys know about my excellent sleeping skills on planes. Got it's back to the hotel. renowned, your ability to sleep and sleep deep on a plane. Got back to the hotel around 2. Uh, just put on my clothes to come home in. <clears throat> Laid down for two hours, knew it would be restless sleep. Came through on that. Got to the airport. First flight was to JFK. Slept well on that. Um, I usually wake up upon touchdown. Second flight from... Like a normal person. Yeah, from JFK to Nashville. Did not wake up on touchdown. I was relatively towards the back. Two-thirds of the way towards the back is what I like. I only, what a smooth landing, by the way, I, from that pilot. You should smooth. have complimented the pilot. Yeah. Because I only woke up when uh, one of the final three people off the plane, I would have been the four, four last people off the plane. One of the final three people accidentally jostled me and woke me up. Otherwise, I trust a flight crew would have done me a solid and woken me up, or I would have been on to wherever the flight was going next. That's how dead asleep I was. And when we leave here, I've caffeined up, and we've got a lot of important stuff to talk about that I have strong feelings about. When we leave here, I have two errands to run for the household. My wife is under the weather, and I will be out. You'll be bedding down. Yeah. You will, instead of de-planing, you'll be de-pantsing. With, with my wife be going ill. To sleep. With my wife ill and me de-pantsing, Simon will be in charge of the house tonight. I don't know about you guys, but I am big on the moment I step foot in my house and the day is done, whenever that may be, I have to put like athletic shorts on and a t-shirt. Immediately. Uh, right now. Talk, like, it does not Chad, feel like, like talking dirty to me right I, now. I, yeah, I'm sorry to arouse <laughs> Paul right now with this, but immediately it's like, okay, whatever I wore for the day is coming off and I'm getting real cozy. I don't think I've eaten dinner in my house in like <laughs> work attire. We act like we're dressed for Wall Street yeah, right, right now. Yeah. Yeah. I this take tie off, is really bugging I take me. off this vest in my cummerbund and then I slip into something a little more comfortable. I mean, if it was a good game, it feels a little bit more worth 
enduring that and i know plenty of people would have loved to have been at the game no matter what but i mean the traffic setting. going in that we talked about yesterday <laughs> Park, miserable setting. stadium and then that that scenario no, the, the, it gets harder and harder the photo i saw tweeted out from jim wyatt of with the dusk. titans with the sun setting fireworks going off right as the anthem's being played and that crowd i mean that that is quintessential reason number one to not play in a dome Yes, That's which it. they will not do. They it had also Bruce Smith was there. We were down in the tunnel. Bruce Smith, Jim Kelly gave me a point when he saw me taking a picture. Marv Levy was there. Uh, you know, they paid tribute to the victims of the shooting that was there. So they had a pre- big pregame ceremony. Here's the one thing that they should do at any new stadium, domed or not domed, um, is, is uh, and this is a very old stadium, obviously, but it's hermetically sealed press box. And so you've been in a radio booth where you can get the sound that's out. We had no idea. Bruce Smith spoke for a good while. I didn't hear a word of it. Couldn't. You know, at they Nissan don't even Stadium, turn like the you PA can reach on up. In the- at Nissan Stadium, you can reach up and crack and tilt the window. And so you can yeah. get the outside the noise to connect Kansas with City. the crowd. But Kansas you can't City connect at Arrowhead or at Highmark yeah. Stadium, which is, you know, unfortunate uh, malfunction well, or not not develop they didn't think of it when they built it let, let's start with the good the buffalo bills are great they live up to the so billing they open the season i i don't know the full stat here but they have now knocked off two teams that both won 12 games a year ago and they've done it decisively this is how you start a season when you are predicted to do it now, it's a long year, but they have started exactly how everyone felt they should by taking out two teams that the consensus agree, the agree, agreement was the Rams and Titans may not be at the same level they were a year ago, but they're playoff caliber and they're division winning worthy. The Titans aren't And that the Titans right beat them two years in a row. The Titans don't look, at, look like that right now. Not at all. But point being, Buffalo gave no breathing room for either team in the second half of these games. And now at Miami. Miami, very intriguing team. Yep. The one team it looks like could challenge them or, or give them any kind of problem in that division. If they go down to Miami and take care of the Dolphins, who are coming off a huge win, it's to tell us a lot about both teams, right? The Dolphins, are they going to let down after something like that, a young team with a new coach? Or are they up to take the punch? That's one of the games of the week this week. We'll get to it later this week. But I'm really excited to see what the, the Super Bowl favorites who've lived up to the billing and one of the upstarts who've lived up to the billing do against each other as division rivals. The, the Bills have this uncanny ability that a seven-yard game for them feels small because their offense is so good. Well, you know what? They averaged just over 7 yards per first down play last night. And they but, were I mean, missing one any, of their anytime top Anytime they don't get a first down, it feels like a victory for the defense even if it isn't. I mean, right. I saw plenty of 7, 8, 9-yard gains and I saw a second and one or second and two and I'm thinking, "Oh, that's a good defensive play for well, the they, Titans." They, they failed on like third and two twice and then went for it a couple times on fourth down. We didn't get their, it one time. We saw their first punt of the season. Yep. And, um, and, and they've got their sixth receiver, legitimately. I'm talking to a Buffalo reporter who says uh, Kumaro is, is their sixth receiver, their slowest receiver, who's making a giant play against the Titans, while Gabe Davis, who we all know is a breakout guy last year and a phenomenal player, yes. didn't even play. 
that's how you, you go about having a deep roster where you could plug guys in. Meanwhile, the Titans went in missing some key guys, lost some other key guys. They have nowhere near that kind of depth. That was one of the big stories of that game, and that's a reason why the Bills are as good as well, the Bills it's, are. I, I'll, I'll say this, too, on the flip side of that. The Bills look like, hands down, through two weeks, the best team in the NFL. Based on the teams they beat and what they did a year ago and how badly they dismantled both teams, especially the Titans last night. The Titans' body of work through two weeks puts them at the very bottom of the NFL. They look like a team that will be drafting top five. I think we'd all agree. I mean, look, we know 0-2 teams, and we'll get more into this, don't do well. How about 0-3 teams? Because we're going to have one of them barring a tie after Sunday. Raiders, Titans, two teams a lot of people pick to be in the playoffs. Are, are, the, the are two of the 0-2 teams in the AFC, along with Cincinnati, one well, of them is going to be 0-3. The, the record's the same. Those two teams don't look the same. The Raiders look light years better in their two games. I agree. Than the Titans. The Titans lost at home to the Giants, who I still don't think will be any good. They, they survive on a field goal against Carolina at home. Yeah, Carolina's going to be one of the worst teams in the league. Um, That's how you get in the playoffs, though. Yeah, this, this is a, right now, a very, very bad Titans team that got worse last night with these injuries. What it feels like watching that game, you know how um, everyone expects, like the example in, in Nashville would be with Henry. Like whenever we see a decline, it's going to happen fast. People have been talking about that for Tom Brady for seasons upon seasons. Like it's going to be a considerable drop off whenever the decline happens. I'm, I'm contemplating like, I, at 0-2, I still have faith in the identity of what the Titans have done well over the last several seasons, which is up front in the trenches running the football. But I also, last night, watching this team and knowing that they have one way, one way to win games and stay in games offensively. And defensively, for whatever reason, we are seeing a guy who started 9 of 12 games as a 24-year-old senior at Rutgers ahead of their first-round pick, Caleb Farley, from a year and a half ago. Knowing that, I was asking myself, are we seeing this rapid decline in how we would describe a player at the end of a career in terms of the, the, the door or the window being open for a chance to contend. He was 13 for 25 last night. night. Look, he couldn't get his legs churning behind a line of scrimmage. Now, uh, I mean, he had a terrible night. That offensive line he's running behind, terrible. Taylor Lewan out after one snap. He's on crutches after the game last night. Still undergoing further tests, Mike Vrabel said at a press conference a little while ago. Uh, at the same time, he said Bud Dupree is not a long-term injury, so he's given up a little bit of information there. He usually doesn't on injuries. If Lawan's out, in addition to a, a rookie right tackle in Nicholas Petit-Frere, Aaron Brewer, who needed help at left guard, an aging Ben Jones in the middle, this might be the weakest offensive line he's been behind. Take Lawan out, Dennis Dillon, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know. Dennis I think it's Dillon. a combination of maybe Henry starting to tail off and being behind a bad offensive line. This is the time in his career hut where you should make sure you have an excellent offensive line in front well, of him in case he's getting Chad, to this point. Chad, let me jump in because I know where you're headed here. In, when John Robinson was hired, the first thing they did was address inside out. They addressed the offensive and defensive lines and built out. This offseason, 
People said whenever they didn't uh, sign A.J. Brown to an extension, they traded him away. Well, you can't have high-priced offensive linemen and a high-priced wide receiver. It's one or the other. And if you're going to bet on your running back being your guy, your high-priced $14 million guy, which I give a $2 million raise to, well, you're going to invest in offensive line and not wide receiver. Okay. Where is it? What they've allowed, based on their horrendous drafts over the recent years and massive failures with two consecutive picks on the offensive line leading up to Petit Frere this year, what they've done is they have dwindled their talent on the offensive front to where a second-round pick from two years ago isn't good enough to even be a backup tackle in last night's game. And their running back is getting dropped for a loss five times behind the line of scrimmage. That's the most he's been um, dropped behind the line of scrimmage since he joined Tannehill in the starting lineup. And then they have no one to throw to because they don't have a true number one weapon outside. Right. They haven't of addressed Derek other Henry. positions because they're busy spending so all their picks on offensive line. They've gotten worse at wide receiver, and then they have swung and missed on the offensive line. And that spells disaster. Premium pick. Disaster for what's ahead. Chad, your thoughts. When you consistently swing and miss on first and second round picks, it, it, you're going to pay the price. Eventually, it's going to happen. I, I didn't think it would happen right now, but I, I am here to tell you it is happening this season. The Titans are one of the worst teams in the league. I've seen it through two weeks now, and here is the, the reason why. Harold Landry being out is a huge blow. Bud Dupree out for any time is another huge blow. This defense, I still think, has a chance to be pretty good, but they whiffed at corner with Caleb Farley. He's not good. They whiffed at, we know the offensive line problems, Isaiah Wilson, Dylan Radins in the second round. Go on down the list. Guys, this is a team with an identity that is pound the rock, give it to big Derrick Henry, he's your stud, he's your star. They're trying to do that behind a terrible offensive line. That identity's not going to work. Without an elite pass rush and without Harold Landry, that part of their identity doesn't work. When you can't match up on the outside with other teams that have a great receiver because you failed in the draft at that position too, you're going to get torched the way Stephon Diggs torched the Titans last night. When you trade away the compliment to Derrick Henry, that is a bail you out of a bad situation guy in A.J. Brown. We saw it against the 49ers a year ago. As a classic example, this is a guy who can win a game for you because he is a number one receiver talent in the NFL. When you trade him away and don't have that, you are stuck with a group whose identity is to run the football but can't open up holes to run the football. And everyone they play will know what they want to do and they will shut it down. There's not a team in the NFL that cannot shut down the Titans' run game. When you dedicate your NFL defense to stopping one facet, you can do it. When that happens, what's left? Robert Woods? Austin Hooper? Traylon Burks had an okay night. Maybe he's going to be great. He's not great enough right now to make a big impact. Yeah, he's not running effect, away. He's from not people. affecting wins and losses for the Titans. This is a team that's only saving grace is that they are in maybe the worst division in the history of the NFL. That's it. Because right now, Jacksonville is the only team with anything to brag about in the entire division. They're the only team with a single good performance through two weeks of the season. I I'm here to tell you, I have seen enough to say this Titans team, they're not winning Sunday, 
against the Raiders. The Raiders are a much better team than the Titans right now, even at 0-2. It's a team going nowhere, and I don't know how you fix it. Taylor Lewan out. You got bad backup. You had bad starting offensive linemen. And now you've got even worse backup offensive linemen trying to clear the way for Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry's not quite the same. You know, uh, you know who is the same? Todd Downing. Yeah. Well, and that's not a good, I got that's two not things, a good thing. Two things on this. Here's a series that defined a game to me. And it was only 10-7 Bills in the middle of the second quarter. Henry ran right tackle for four yards. He ran left tackle for negative four yards. All right? They're at third and 10. Tannehill can't find anybody who's separated he checks it down to Hassan Haskins to the right. No gain. They punt. If you're standing toe-to-toe with the Bills, you got to do better than that. Hassan Haskins with the ball in his hands needing 10 yards from the line of scrimmage is not going to get it done. Maybe Dontrell Hilliard in that situation could do something for you, and he's already on the shelf hurt. And then here, this was a very telling quote from Vrabel last night. This team, this whole Vrabel era, which has been very good Titans football, as we've said, has been Derrick Henry's time. There's been no question about what this is. And Vrabel said, we're going to have to find where we can hang our hat. There were times we got covered up and we were close and just not breaking any like we used to. We'll have to see if it's at the second level or if it's just one guy, but that has to be something that we can do better and we've done it the, uh, than we've done it the past two weeks. He sounds like there's a little doubt there as to whether they can do it. They never sound like there's doubt when, when they do it poorly. They've had two bad Derrick Henry games in a row before, and they've never had even the semblance of doubt. Today, he returned to confidence, Hut, like you know they would. But last night, he allowed for what you're talking about, the possibility that the cracks well, are there between the offensive line and the back. And I think we all know that that's the possibility is real. But their only way back to it is for him to carry them with a lesser offensive line. So, you, you know the mantra that I, I live by in sports. It's not if you lose, it's how you lose. Going into the game, I tweeted out, like, the 0-1 start and the terrible loss to the Giants, even if they go 0-2, and I was picking the Bills, I thought the Titans would cover, but I'm picking the Bills to win. Um, the reason why there's optimism is because of Vrabel. It's because of Simmons and Byard and Dupree, and it's because of Derrick Henry, and it's because of the AFC South. It's down to Vrabel, Simmons, Bayard. We can erase Dupree off of this 0-2 start because, I, I mean, injury's not going to linger, but it could linger this week. They're down Taylor Lewan again. and uh, Again, they're so bad on the offensive line. Dylan Radins is such a non-factor. He's either an extra tight end and a heavy package, or he's sitting the bench while a guy who is going to get cut by Carolina that the Titans traded for is in, the, is in the lineup ahead of him at left tackle. And the, the AFC South is their saving grace right now because they also can't get anything going with their identity for two straight games. It's, it's really bad. And there's, there's reason for a ton of concern with the roster. Except for this. Hear me out here. They could lose Sunday to the Raiders. And there, I, I will still come in here and tell you that they have, out of their next four games, three games against the AFC South. Yeah, they could win the division Indy, with a bad record. Commanders, Indy, Houston. They could it win the division with a bad record. Indy. They Seven play, and ten could win play, the division. They play Indy in, in two times in three games. And 
they followed that series up with a trip to Houston. So with all that in mind, they still control the AFC South right there in front of them. Meanwhile, Indy, Indy has the Chiefs this week. Then they host the Titans. If they lose back-to-back games, I think Frank Reich is done. I think they cut bait. The Chiefs are totally capable of going in there and boat racing them based on what we've seen. And then all offseason, their owner has talked about matching the Titans. An 0-2-1 start followed by a home loss to Tennessee, a bad Tennessee team that could first... It's realistic that it could be their first win of the season. I think if it's not that game, it's the game two weeks later in Nashville that gets Frank Reich out of here. Or Indy saves their season by beating the Titans, and they send the Titans down the barrel. And here's the Titans' key against the Colts. This Colts offensive line, I mentioned it yesterday, when I was on with you guys from Buffalo, completely overrated. I mean, they've got two guys, yeah. but the other three guys aren't anything special. Matt Ryan's under fire, and the one thing the Titans could do, provided Dupree is in there, is still get to the passer. Danico Autry had a nice game yesterday. He was one of the few bright spots. Yes, they missed Landry. Simmons was a non-factor yesterday. You're not going to see that very often. I think they can get to the passer better than they did last night, particularly when the passer isn't Josh Allen, but it's Matt Ryan. I think that. And one name we didn't mention here, guys, while we're talking about roster failures like Caleb Farley, Trey Avery, I'll throw in Nick Westbrook-Akina, who can't separate, Cody Hollister, who's a blocking receiver, Zach Cunningham, who can't tackle. John Robinson's name's got to be hooked on this. Mike Vrabel's doing the best he can with bad players like he did last year when he won Coach of the Year with 91. That should have been a signal upstairs. My God, my coach just had to do this with 91 guys. I got to get him some better guys. Except for one thing. He's too loyal to Todd Downing. He brought back a bad offensive coordinator. He's also too loyal to Craig Ackerman. Oh, I agree on I mean, so, both of those. But they can change who's calling the plays. Well, you don't. It, that's not saving your season. What they've done, people were critical of me whenever I said that they swung and missed. They had a great 2020. They wasted it in a terrible performance at Nissan Stadium to open the season against Baltimore. Last year, 12 wins with an abysmal roster. Coach of the year. They get everybody back, and then they bow down to the Bengals' defense after sacking... Joe Burrow, nine times, really 11. Two were called back after the play was over. Point being, the window's closing, and no matter how you want to spin it today, the Titans are not winning the Super Bowl. The no. team they just played is the, is the top-level shelf that they've got to meet. They're nowhere close to that team. No, they, they beat that team with- last year. They're nowhere close beat to the team that they team were last year. year, and they got boat raced, and Vrabel tapped out with under a minute to play in the third quarter, which well, you never see. Vrabel tapped out not trying to score at the end of the first half. With two timeouts. Uh, I thought two timeouts and a minute left. I mean, to me, that was a concession saying, yeah. we have no offense. I don't want to turn it over and give them another score right so, before the half. So it's I, crazy, by the way, to, to put in your backup that early. I said, why not? Because the game's over. But he, um, you never see a coach wave the white flag that early and say, hey, I'm going to rest my guys. we got a short week, all of that. That's how the extent of the blowout. Well, and let's again just take it a step further because again, the the window and what they've been trying to build with this with this pairing of Robinson and Vrabel is about championships. You know, you you climb the staircase of winning the division, going to the AFC Championship game when no one expected you to. You follow that up with record-setting performance offensively as the defense catches up off of what was a bad year. 
last year we see the pass rush improve and things come together with injuries and then they get guys back and still can't get over the hump in the postseason. Those things come back whenever all of a sudden now the, oh, even I'm doing it. Oh, they can win the division. What good does, I mean, okay. Cool. You win a terrible AFC South. Well, You're not doing anything in the postseason. The only with this way roster. they redeem that is by surprising everyone in the preseason. Yeah, and but, we have no cause to expect a surprise in no. the postseason from a team this limited. It's and a, presumably that limited to, to win a division with eight or nine wins, seven, eight or nine so wins. So when I say 0 and 2 start, we're going to get into this when we come back. 0 and 2, I still think this team can make the playoffs. 0 and 3, I laid out the scenario over the next month after 0 and 3 where they can still win the division. But this should be at this point about more than that. And they traded away one of their top players on the entire roster because he was upset over a contract instead of trying to make it work. Oh, AJ's going to come in here and fake a knee injury and he's not going to play for us. Look at what the other teams did. They figured it out. Titans did not figure it out. That's a John Robinson problem. Instead, they kept Lawan around and he lasted for a play into week two. And, you know, Landry goes down. They give Henry the raise. $2 million raise. If he's good, they'll, they'll redo his contract again next year. If he's not, they'll cut bait. But again, like we here we are still talking about uh, uh, what could have been instead of what they should be on, which is a chance. They should be talked about based on how they've built this roster and what they've invested in. Like we talk about the Buffalo Bills. That's they, what they were in instead, 2020. Instead, and how that's quickly, what they were in 2020. How quickly life comes at you. They were talked about last night on every national outlet I watched as a footnote that the Bills did not look past in advance of their big matchup against Miami. Well, the Bills didn't fall asleep against this bad Titans yeah, team right. and blew them out. That's step two down. Now we get the monumental matchup against the Dolphins. That's where the Titans are now. That they well, were at least they didn't after slip the up. game, not before the game. Well, I they mean, were a double digit game. underdog going yeah, into the game. But I don't think the Bills were were Well, uh, no, uh, oh absolutely after the game, but I'm saying that was the talk on every highlight. Look how great the Bills are. There was no talk nationally about man, these Titans are really disappointing. I thought they were good. It was right back to the Titans are nobody. Did it go right back Quickly. to how about them Colts? <laughs> but the Colts, well, on the, the Colts other are hand, really well built. Those guys are geniuses. What they're putting. What together. an organization that the Indianapolis has become. Yeah, look, it's fair right now. Nobody should be talking about anything in the AFC South. Maybe, maybe you touch on the Jags. But, but you understand my point. Yeah, oh yeah. We should be discussing the Titans. Based well, they have on their a legitimate chance to and how go. they have whiffed on some key areas. That's all coming back around to catch up to them. Yeah, you know? and listen, there, there has been at least a little bit of national conversation about Malik Willis being in conflict. Malik Willis didn't do a damn thing. That was a th- they were throwing in the towel. Huh? That, that was a let's rest our guys, not a, hey, Malik's going to come in and rally yeah. us to anything. He was one for four. Also- he threw the ball terribly, gave up the ball carelessly running and fumbled. The Tannehill's not very good right one, now, one, but he's a one lot quick better point than Malik on that. Willis. One quick point on that. It's also odd that a guy who uh, lost your season the year before in the playoffs that admitted to having to go to therapy to deal with that, you pulled him out of the game after a pick six. It's playoff caliber pick in six. In the third quarter and didn't just allow him to go out. Let's let's have a let's get something better going and then we'll eventually go to that. It was it looks like a benching. It doesn't look like a, hey, man, rest up. Put that ball cap on. we got to get you ready for next week. It looked to me it like a, I've seen an enough. angry, 
this is it. Get Malik Willis, and I can't watch this anymore. Yeah, they also benched Henry and Simmons and Byard. And yeah, everybody. Hooker. At that moment, again, but the, I'm the saying, white flag, hit, tap out, however you want over. to reference it. Point being, from a Tannehill mentality, mental standpoint, they didn't do that. Derrick Henry didn't throw the pick six right before they all got pulled. He threw the pick six that ended their night. Into double coverage for Nick Westbrook-Akine. Yep. Always got to throw it to Nick. Outkick 360 uh, rolls on uh, coming up. 2-0, 0-2, and the history behind the records moving forward across the season. First, though, Outkick 360, excited to partner with Aurora Nutriscience, a trusted partner that keeps us mentally sharp and healthy. Aurora supplements, and they deliver those where you need them the most, your body. Vitalifescience.com is the website. V-I-D-A-Lifescience.com is where you can see more information. Outkick 360 season ticket holders receive a 15% discount with the code OUTKICK360. Typical pills, capsules, not well absorbed. But here's Aurora. Unique, cutting-edge, nutritional, and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes. Davey Hudson asked me what that is. That ensures greater absorption in the body's bloodstream. Personally, uh, I use the vitamin C, vitamin D3, glutathione. Uh, no, don't ask me to spell that. Uh, simple single-use packets. Uh, I can grab and go in the morning or uh, larger sizes that you can mix with a shake or take it to the gym, whatever you're looking to do there. Uh, it, it's a great product. VitalifeScience.com, the website. 15% off with the code OUTKICK360 at VitalifeScience.com. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back, and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless, from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Glad you're with us as we broadcast from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. 0-2 versus 2-0 and and making the playoffs. It's not impossible. If you start 0-2, the teams right now that are 0-2, Tennessee, Cincinnati, and Las Vegas are your three 0-2 teams in the AFC. Of course, Vegas and Tennessee play this coming Sunday. Carolina and Atlanta are 0-2 in the NFC. Um, we'll get to our predictions on the best 0-2 team. I think we know where, where, where Chad's going here. Um, but the 2-0 teams, Miami and Buffalo, they play this weekend. Kansas City, Philadelphia, New York Giants, and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So you have about 11% chance since 1990 of 
going 0-2 and actually making the postseason. The 265 teams have started 0-2 previous to this season, and 30 of them have gone on to make the postseason. And now it's even more likely your odds have increased because a team, an extra team gets in to both the NFC and AFC with that seventh spot. Of those 265, though, and this is what I'm leaning into for a, a team with expectations like Cincy or Tennessee, the teams that start 0-2, only three of the 265 have gone on to win the Super Bowl. And those teams are the 93 Cowboys, the 2001 Patriots, and the 2007 Giants. That's it. It's a very steep climb up that hill if you dig yourself this hole. Um, by the way, teams that start 2-0, 262 teams prior to this year, 63% of them, of them make the playoffs. Uh, 165 of the 262. So there have been bad teams that start 2-0. and And then there are teams that are good and they get hurt. Or you lose your quarterback or whatever. But it is a much easier path by getting off to a hot start, even though the money's made in November and December. The one thing about the 0-2 is we're just in the second year of the 17-game schedule, and we're just, I think, in the third year of uh, seven teams from each conference. Mm-hmm. So it alters it just slightly, just slightly. Um, but, yeah, look, it's, it's, it's not and, a preferred route. And, and, you know, I would say if you're a team that's starting off missing a key player or something and you're getting somebody back or something like that, I, I could see it. Um, you know, I still like Cincinnati's talent a lot. I think the winner of Titans Raiders, which I'm leaning heavily Raiders, like I don't like either of the NFC teams. Yeah. Um, Chad, the, the, the other stat, though, is with the, the 0-2 start, since 2017, there have been zero teams that have started 0-2 and made the postseason. Since 2017? Yes. So even with the, the 17 playoffs? Yeah, we haven't seen it. Yeah, haven't seen it yet. Um, you know, of the 0-2 teams, which one most likely to make the playoffs? I, I still like Cincinnati. Probably like you, Paul, the top of that list, then followed by Vegas. But I can't, even with all the things I said about the Titans in the first segment, I can't discount them being high on the list because this division looks miserable. Yeah, that's yeah. the whole rationale. I mean, I, I'm now comparing the Titans to the Colts and the Jags, and I, I think the Texans are really bad. I mean, it's, but yet they, you know, tied, and it's just a bad, bad division through through two weeks. And if I'm relying on a team to rise right now in the AFC South, it's got to be Jacksonville. Like someone that's going to be a lot better than we expected. Yeah, Yeah, that's a a young roster that could be way better than we expected and get better and better each week. I don't see the Titans as a riser right now with that roster. The Colts certainly are not. And the Texans are still dormant for at least another year. So if I'm picking someone to elevate – it's Jacksonville in that division, which sounds insane going into the season thinking about that division, but that's where we are. Where have we, where have we whiffed the most on Cincinnati and Tennessee? I think offensive line. Uh, I think for both. On both. Yeah, yeah for both. no, I think, I think it's, uh, it's way more of a run, a generating run issue for the Titans, way more of protecting Joe Burrow for Cincinnati. I, I think um, 
we make the mistake in Cincinnati of saying, well, they addressed it by changing out the personnel, but we didn't get enough of an assessment of the new personnel um, or enough of a good assessment of the new personnel. And maybe that's nationwide. We thought, well, these guys are better than the guys that they had, but they're not better enough so far than the guys that they had. We knew it was going to be an issue in, in Tennessee, but I think – and I would have seen them as one and one at this point, right? So it's a missed 47-yard field goal right now from a much better feeling about sure. this team, even with the blowout loss that, in that's, Buffalo, That's right? another good point. So it's, it's very slim. Now, I wouldn't feel good about them. I wouldn't feel good about them, but it'd feel a hell of a lot better. Well, looking at the, the 2-0 and o teams, I mean, the Giants, to me, are by far the worst. So, yes, a 47-yard made field goal – you feel like, oh, well, the Titans just got blown out in a bad matchup with the best team in the league. But they beat the Giants, and they're 1-1. One and one. Yeah, you feel a lot different. But again, looking at that list of 2-0 and o teams, there's one that doesn't belong to me, and that's the New York Giants. And they are 2-0 and o because they came to Nashville and beat the Titans. But like Hutt said. That's a big mark against the Titans. It's a way you get into the playoffs. Last spot in the NFC, we've talked about having a hard time to find a team. They've got two more easy games coming here. They could be 4-0. and o, not a great team talent-wise, but you scrap together a 4-0 month, you've got belief in a new coaching staff, you've yeah. got a little bit of a formula, and you've got a not great division also. I, I'm not buying Cooper Rush after one game by any means, right? The Eagles, I'd give them 0-2 against the Eagles, but I think they'll do just fine against the Commanders and the Cowboys. So soft division there, soft conference. And if you get off to a 3-1 or 4-0 start, I, I could see you winning the seventh spot in the NFC. The, I'm not going to discount it. The thing about the Raiders, uh, they had the massive collapse this past week, but they're scoring points. And that's also kind of the recurring theme. Davey Hudson did a great job pulling this. So the, the three teams that started 0-2 that have gone on to win the Super Bowl, if we're just going to set the bar high, and we should. Um, Dallas in 93, they put up a combined 26 points in a field goal slugfest, especially whenever they played uh, Buffalo in the first in week two of that 93 season. The Patriots in 01, uh, they put up 17 points in week one, scored just three, though, against the Jets, and that game was awful. 10-3 was the final score. And the Giants in 07, they scored 35 points in week one and lost. And, by the way, that's similar to the – feels like the Lions – uh, Lions have put up 35-plus in each of the last two weeks. The Packers, they put up 13 points. So at least in all these games, there is an instance of the team that started 0-2 showing some life offensively. And that's where I'm looking at Cincinnati and Tennessee going, man, I know, I know since he stormed back and had no business being in the game early against uh, uh, Pittsburgh in week one, they made it an overtime game. But they turn it over five times. The Titans are turning it over. They're committing dumb penalties. They're leaving Trey Avery one-on-one -on -one with the best wide receiver in the game right now. It, it's a lot of confusion with what I've seen. And it, it, it's hard to explain. Because I, I, what makes it so hard to explain, there are so many different issues to point to that that's the biggest issue. That there are so many issues, it's hard to pick one top issue. You know, it's a real bummer for uh, anyone that, that roots for the Titans. You know, it's not confusing at all is A.J. Brown being really good in Philly and changing the fortunes of that team right away. Right away. 
That team's much better. I look at the list of 2-0 teams. I came in and predicted them to win the division. I feel much better about them winning that division through two weeks, and it's in large part because they traded for A.J. Brown. He's he, been a difference maker. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, you know, he, I, I didn't see that game at all last night. Did he end up in the 50s and he was in the 10th? Well, if you were watching the Titans game, you'd have seen a lot of because they, they split screen for most of the second half. Well, I was watching it through a window into the live action where they didn't split screen it for me. Did he come out of the tent? Did he finish? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he, I mean, their, their stats, I mean, they, they spread it around. I think they had eight different receivers. Jalen Hurts was phenomenal. They had eight different receivers last night. And let me pull up the numbers. But their top guys are targeted the most. It, it's interesting how their top guys, their quarterback gets them the football. Um, here are the numbers last night for their, their receivers. Goddard. Targeted six times, five catches, 82 yards. Devontae Smith, seven targets, seven catches, 80 yards. A.J. Brown targeted eight times, five catches, 69 yards. He had a long of 23. And then you have you know, Watkins, who scored a touchdown. Pascal, Gainwell, Sanders, Scott. I mean, they spread it around, but their top guys are moving the sticks. And then Jalen Hurts is running for you know, 10 or 11 times, nearly 60 yards rushing, moving the chains. He starts 10 for 10. They're in rhythm, and they stay in rhythm. They're, they're capable of putting up a, a nice opening drive and then coming back out and putting together another quality drive because they can do it in different ways. And some of the bad teams right now can't do that. Titans are one of them. It's either Henry or Bust, and we knew that, but it's even worse than I would have thought it would have looked in that manner. Yes, and you'd rather in this and, and day and age it'd here. be a receiver or bust than a running back or bust yeah. in today's game. And we knew that. Um, you mentioned the split screen. When, when we come back, I want to dive in. well overdone. I want to dive into this uh, because there, there is something interesting about the, the split screen experience that people are complaining about, but yet we rave about it in something else on Sundays. So I've got that. And we also take a look at Bedlam which is over once Oklahoma joins the SEC. And realignment has taken away some of the top rivalries over the last 20 years. We'll, we'll discuss that as well. John McClain in 15 minutes and now kick 360. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. John McClain coming up in eight minutes. Soundkick 360 rolls on. So they did the split screen a lot, and people were complaining about it. But at the same time, Red Zone gets a ton of reviews for the exact same thing. I mean, that's what I watch. Uh, that's what I watched Sunday, for instance. I didn't watch any specific game. I just turned on every game, and it's going to take me to the excitement, and I, you see a lot the of the play. And then if, if you want to see more of Jacksonville's beat down on Indy, you can flip over individually. Uh, so I understand you, you could pick a channel where it's not split-screen, too. Here's what yeah, I think. But ABC and ESPN and Disney, what they're doing is they are experimenting one time. This is the only time we're going to see it all year, where they have the staggered kickoffs by about a half. And it worked out well last night when the Eagles kicked off and the Titans and what the Titans were doing. Point being, if you stick with what ESPN and Monday Night Football had in week one, they did the double header, the true double header, 
and the second game would kick off at 9.30 Eastern. Well, 50% of their viewing audience and fan base is on the East Coast and likely don't have a rooting interest except for fantasy, which, again, 9.30 Eastern, the game's over at midnight, past it, 12.30. They're not making it to the end of the season. So they're, they're trying to say, well, we're, yeah, we're competing against ourselves, but we're also going to have more eyeballs on both games if both games are good, if one's bad, we don't lose the game and you're flipping over to watch Netflix, you're going to flip over to the other game and vice versa. And we're going to tease it and treat it like red zone because we're the only property that has the NFL that you night. also create a it's, six hour window as opposed to a four hour window yeah, kind of theoretically for the, for the fan I mean, that's all the way in. Here's the this thing. This was a test. They're doing it three times next year, but th- this is the only time we'll see it this year. Here's the thing I think people are complaining about. I think, People are programmed differently, right? So for the Sunday afternoon, multiple windows, you like that red zone thing. Yeah. But for the primetime Monday night thing, you're planning on sitting down and watching a game. Yeah, I, I, I didn't care because the Titans game was so bad, Titans-Bills, yeah. that right. they were doing yeah, they it. They got unlucky. I they do got understand that games. you don't have an option if you just wanted to watch the Titans-Bills game even in a blowout because ABC was showing Philly – and, and the Vikings, and they were split-screening the other game to get you to go to the game that's going to be on later on ABC. So I understand some of the – I've never had Red Zone. I, I love the concept of it. I've never watched it, never seen it. So I, I tune into a game to watch that game. I don't like to watch multiple games at once. I also don't get too worked up about them prom- cross-promoting a game that may be better that, oh, also, by the way, is on later – that will keep yeah. your eyeballs on their product after this miserable game ends. You can flip over there and watch the rest of it. And that last one. night was a real strikeout because they were both not close. No. So they, you know, ideally, if you're going two there, you're hoping at least one of them's good. Um, and that, that would keep the eyeballs, right? You're doubling your chances of getting a good game. They didn't get either. I would say Sunday afternoon's early window for red zone was maybe as good a red zone window as you're ever going to get with the Jets game, with the Dolphins game, and there was one other game. Three spectacular games coming down to the wire. Phenomenal red zone view. Uh, Chad, you have free red zone right now, by the way. I'll tell you why. Oh, do I? Yeah. You can watch it this weekend. Welcome to the dark side, my friend. You're going to love it. I'll uh, I'll be at the Titans game. You'll never be back. (laughs) John McClain is next. We're going to go through the crazy week two across the NFL and outkick 360. Hang with me. 